Welcome to CQC Connect, the podcast from the Care Quality Commission. The world of health and social care is changing, and so are we. COVID-19 has really made services think differently, and we are no exception. We want to make changes for more flexible and responsive regulation. At the start of this year, we began consulting on our new strategy, and now we're proposing some specific changes that will help us to deal with the ongoing challenges from the pandemic. These proposals move us towards our ambition to be a more dynamic, proportionate and flexible regulator. My name is Vicky Priest. I'm the Head of Primary Care and Community Health Services Policy here at the CQC, and I'm joined today by three guests to talk about the proposed changes in this consultation. I'll kick us off by asking my guests to introduce themselves, tell us a bit about their role at CQC, and as a way to get to know them, what inspires them to work in health and social care at CQC. Ruby, can we start with you? Hi everyone, my name is Ruby Okoje. I am a policy manager in the primary care and community health services policy team, leading on urgent care, independent healthcare and online primary care services. In terms of what inspires me to work at CQC, I guess everyone uses health and care services. It touches on all of our lives at some point or other. Um, as the independent regulator of health and social care in England, I see the work of CQC as extremely important, making sure that people are provided with high quality, safe and effective care. And I'm honoured and excited to play a part in that. Thanks, Ruby. And over to Emma. Hey, everyone. My name's Emma Buglas. I'm on the acute policy team at CQC, and I tend to work on all things to do with our assessment of the well-led key question in health. So just like Ruby, I work in CQC because having access to quality health and social care is important for everyone at some stage in their lives. In terms of my personal values, equality is really important. I think the increased focus on addressing health inequalities in the system and in CQC's draft strategy is really positive. I'm looking forward to being part of that work. Great. Thanks, Emma. And over to you, Ro. Hi everyone, I'm Rowena Marshall and I currently work as a policy manager within the same team as Ruby and I tend to lead on our policy relating to general practice regulation. So I've worked in health and social care for nearly 15 years, having started my career with the previous healthcare regulator, the Healthcare Commission, before moving to work in the charity sector. I started with uh, CQC in 2015 as an inspector and joined our policy team in 2018. The work that I undertake is really varied. It's always really interesting. But the thing that inspires me the most is the impact that we can have on the care that people receive. So in my role, this means working with colleagues and external stakeholders to keep our approach up to date and develop it for the future. Ultimately, this supports and enables our inspection teams to identify care which needs to be improved or at the other end of the spectrum, which is outstanding and from which other providers can learn. Lovely. Thanks, Rowan. Thanks for joining me, all of you. Um, so we're now going to go into some more um, information about the consultation itself. Um, so the pandemic has made it really clear to us that some of the ways that we currently work are holding us back and are stopping us from being truly flexible and really being able to respond to situations as they happen. Ruby, can you start by telling us about how we want to change our assessment of quality across all sectors? Well, currently, site visits are an important part of how we assess the quality of services. They enable us to observe care and culture in a service. They can also help us check whether the information we have reflects people's experiences of care. Now, under our current way of working, we must always carry out a site visit to assess quality and rate a service. 
However, we know that they are not the only way to help us understand what quality looks like in a service and update ratings. So we want to move away from using comprehensive on-site inspections, where we currently look at all five of our key questions as the main way of updating ratings or assessing quality in services where we don't rate. Instead, we want to use a wider range of regulatory approaches, not just on-site inspections, to help us understand what the quality of a service looks like. Row Wenner is can give some examples of what these look like, but generally this will include using a wider sources of evidence, tools and techniques to assess quality. Great, thanks Ruby. Um, so Ro, can you tell us a bit about some piloting that we've been doing over the last year um, with GP practices? Sure, Vicky. Um, and thanks, Ruby, uh, as well. So we hope that the changes that Ruby's described and that we're proposing in this consultation will enable us to be more flexible in, in how we regulate in the future. Following on from what Ruby's described, for GP providers, this could mean that the way in which we collect evidence as part of our assessments going forward might look and feel quite different than it has in the past. The pandemic has limited our ability to undertake site visits, so we've had to think about how we can do things differently. As a result, during this period, we've been piloting a focused inspection approach for GPs, and that's involved us collecting more of our evidence remotely and using technology to support this, including things like virtual video interviews and remote clinical record searches. Thank you. Really interesting. Um, so also in the consultation, we talk about rather than following a fixed schedule of inspections, we are proposing to move to a more flexible risk based approach for how often we assess um, and rate providers. Um, Ruby, what does this mean for those working in health and social care? OK, so for services that we rate, how often we inspect is primarily determined by the current rating for the service or the provider. These rules can obviously vary across the sectors that we regulate, and they mean that our regulation can't be as flexible and responsive as it needs to be. The frequency rules also rely on on-site inspections as the primary way for us to carry out our work. Now, rather than following a fixed schedule of inspections, we want to move to a more flexible risk-based approach that allows us to update ratings more often when we recognise changes in quality. We know that this is important to the public, providers and our stakeholders. So this means in practice that we won't return to using the current inspection frequencies that we currently have published on our website and the type of large inspections usually associated with this approach. Great, thank you. We're also proposing to stop providing separate and distinct ratings for the six population groups when we rate GP practices. Ro, can you tell us a bit more about this and the benefits that we want this to achieve? Thanks, Vicky. As you say, yeah, we're proposing to stop rating providers against each of the six population groups for the effective and responsive key questions. I'll say a bit more about this in a moment, but I think it's important that we're clear that the changes we're proposing would not mean that we stop considering the care provided to these populations as part of our assessments. We would still want to look really closely at how practices consider the needs both of their individual patients and their wider local population and how they provide personalised care to meet these needs. So in terms of the question and what we'd like to achieve with the proposed changes, Feedback has shown that our current approach is too complex, and we also know that the ratings for population groups rarely show any variation, instead tending to reflect the quality of care for all people using the service. We're proposing these changes because we want to make our approach as simple as possible and make our ratings easier to understand. By not having fixed categories of population groups, we also think there's an opportunity to look at a wider range of health inequalities more flexibly and depending on local circumstances. 
Also, GP practices are increasingly working in collaboration, for example, through primary care networks. So removing the fixed population group categories could provide an opportunity for us to consider how providers within a primary care network have worked together to identify and respond to the needs of their population. Ultimately, we think that the changes we're proposing will give a better reflection of the quality of care for local people using services. Emma, could you talk to us about the proposals in the consultation to remove aggregation for NHS trust level ratings? So at the moment, we inspect and rate the core services in NHS trusts. And we also carry out an assessment of the well-led key question at trust level. So our overall trust ratings for the other four key questions, so safe, effective, caring and responsive, are reached by aggregating the service level ratings, along with our team's professional judgment. What that can mean, particularly in large and complex organisations that might offer many different services across locations, is that the aggregated trust level ratings don't always give a meaningful reflection of the way people experience care. What we're proposing is that we continue to rate services within NHS trusts and publish those at service and location level so people will have a view of the quality in the services where they receive care. We propose that we will no longer aggregate those to reach trust level ratings for safe, effective, caring and responsive and instead give a single trust level rating based on a development of our approach to assessing the well-led key question. Thanks Emma. So what benefits um, or impact do you think this will have? So we know these high level ratings that are determined through aggregate and numerous service and location ratings can actually conceal the quality um, at those particular service ratings. We want to publish ratings that accurately reflect the care people receive in a service while continuing to focus on leadership and culture at trust level. And we'll be developing this approach to assessing well led through the strategy work too. Great, thank you. So one final question to all of you. Why is it so important for people to respond to this consultation? I'll start with you, Ruby. So these proposals are important as they will mean significant changes to how we work. So it's vital that people engage with the consultation and feedback to support the development of the detail that will sit behind them. Thanks, Ruby. And the same question to Emma. So I'd really encourage providers and partners to respond to this consultation as there's just so much opportunity to shape how it's taken forward. We're looking at some quite different ways of working and while we've set this out at a high level we haven't set out concrete plans and policies because we really do want to develop the detail collaboratively. And finally Ro, why is it so important? I'd echo what Emma and Ruby have both said. We think the changes that we're proposing in this consultation will be beneficial for all of the reasons that we've set out and discussed today but this consultation provides an opportunity for people to tell us what they think about what we're proposing and to help us shape what that could look like. Brilliant, thank you. Um, thanks so much for joining us and thanks to everyone for listening. I'm now going to hand over to Sam Wallace, who can tell you a bit more about this consultation, what it means for the adult social care sector and how CQC will be consulting in the future. Over to you, Sam. Great, thanks, Vicky. Um, so I'm now really pleased to be joined by uh, Dave James and Lara Nuttall, two of my colleagues from the Adult Social Care Policy Team, who are going to talk a bit more about what this means for the adult social care sector. Um, first, just to introduce myself, my name's Sam Wallace and I'm Provider Engagement Lead here at CQC. I'm just going to ask my guests to introduce themselves. Um, Dave, can I start with you? Hi, yeah, I'm Dave James. I'm Head of Adult Social Care Policy here at CQC. And hi, I'm Lara Nuttall. I'm a Policy Manager in Dave's team um, at CQC. 
thanks both. So we've just heard from Vicky, Rowan, Emma uh, and Ruby about our consultation as a whole and what some of these proposed changes might mean for some of the other sectors we regulate. But I'd be really interested to hear about what this might mean for adult social care in the future. Um, so what are some of the changes we think might come about? What are some of the benefits and what some of the impacts on providers? Dave, shall I start with you? Yes, yeah, so um, the changes that uh, that we're looking to, to build on and the pilot that we've just been um, running is around how we can work in a better way with uh, providers of home care initially. So we reflected that when we inspect those types of services, lots of what we actually need to gather isn't necessarily at the place that we physically visit. So we, we go to the branch office and we um, we gather records and we speak to people. And actually, a lot of that can be done just as well through a video call, a phone call, by sharing information um, over email. So that's what we wanted to test out, really, and to see if we could take a more flexible approach. And we work really closely with the um, providers themselves to see how that could best work. And um, we're finding that actually there's lots of benefits to that approach and lots of support from the providers on from our staff so i think that's that's something that we want to um continue to look at and um potentially that's an approach that we could also adapt to residential care as well so care homes again lots of the information that we need to understand can be shared outside of, of, of a site visit we'll never get away from doing those site visits for residential care but it's just about what's the right tools to have in order to get the right result what works for everybody uh, in a better way. Thanks Dave and, and Lara, Dave's started talking about this pilot work we've been doing recently. It'd be really interesting to hear a bit more more detail about that and what exactly we've done. Sure, so um, we ran a pilot um, from September through to December um, and that was with um, home care services um, which included domiciliary care and extra care housing services. Um, the pilot was um, conducted with nearly 50 services um, and we focused mainly on those services who already had a rating of outstanding or good um, and we used a variety of methods to share the information so we used um, virtual methods um, sort of via MSS, MS Teams um, and also file sharing by emails and by a, a virtual port portal. And we actually received really, really positive feedback from both inspectors and providers about this. The inspection time was relatively the same compared to the, the previous inspection for the service based on the, the data we had. But there was, there was increased engagement actually with people who use services. So there was an increase in 70%. Um, that was partly due to um, changing the time that was spent um, between sort of reviewing documents and traveling to and from the service but also we had increased resource from our experts by experience um, and a, a team in CQC um, to help contact people. A, a familiar trend was very much uh, people missed that face-to-face -face engagement but they did really value the fact that um, their day-to-day -day work wasn't disrupted um, by having an inspector in the office. So there was a definite theme that there, there is a, a need for this, this process, um, but it wouldn't be to completely uh, replace the face-to-face -face interaction. Thanks, Lara. And I, I think what I'm kind of hearing from that description of the pilots is it, is it gives us another, another type of approach to assess services. 
and gives us a lot more flexibility around how we do that kind of assessment and that's coming back to the consultation that's that's really what the consultation is about i think it's about giving us a lot more flexibility and a lot more options um to assess providers um and dave i think that it's fair to say we think that'll be a really positive change and both both for us but also for providers we regulate and for people who use services uh, that's right and uh, as we as we go forward with this we want to make sure that how we develop our approach and, and evolve does work for for everybody really it's not just about making cqc's life easier it's actually about how how do we how do we how do we drive improvement uh, in the best possible ways how do we work as a true partnership with with providers with people who use services with and with other groups and with other stakeholders so absolutely I'd be really also really interested to hear so about what the next steps are following the pilot work. Um, Lara, what are we planning to do next? Um, well, obviously, we'll need to review the feedback from the consultation. Um, we have already conducted an evaluation from the pilot. Um, we've had uh, feedback from the majority of the services and inspectors um, and we completed the evaluation at the end of December. We're just going to do sort of a mop-up evaluation from anything that came following uh, the December report um, and then have a, have a look at the feedback from the consultation, um, look at updating our, our handbooks, our end-to-end -end process, um, there is a need for some more training for um, inspectors and also some guidance for providers about the different uh, file sharing methods. It's all very new to us um, and to providers about all of the, these different virtual methods that we can use. So um, just some training and some guidance for everyone, really. And th those are the main next steps. And I think it's fair to say we'll, we'll be keeping providers and others in the loop as we move this forward. So uh, kind of watch out for information in our bulletins and on our website coming up about that. Um, and I guess kind of one of the things um, you mentioned, Dave, about uh, making sure our approaches work for everyone kind of leads on to one of the other things we talk about in the consultation, which is about moving towards a model where we're having more ongoing engagement and conversations with people so we've got a better understanding of how we need to develop our policy and methodology going forward and i think in the consultation we talk about moving away from doing loads of formal consultations to more regular engagement and conversations so we can understand what providers, people who use services and other stakeholders think in a way that helps us develop better policy. Be just interested to hear kind of your thoughts on that and why that's a good thing for us to do. Sure, yes. I mean, as hopefully the listeners are aware, we, we have an always on kind of approach to engagement. We, we put a lot of time and effort into working with, um, with the public and with providers and, uh, and with all our partners across health and social care and our stakeholders. And really, this is about just taking a step back from looking at how we normally run the big change consultation, the big kind of standalone set piece consultations that can run from anything from six to kind of 12 weeks and, and have quite a long tail after that, actually a lot of activity. Just wondering whether that's always the best way and, and always the most uh, effective way of reaching people and reaching the, the people that, that need to be uh, uh, aware of what we're doing and need to have a voice. So I think if anything, this means more engagement and more uh, more conversation um, rather than kind of some of these peaks 
um, that you might see with some of the big standalone consultations and the, um, some of the pressure, I suppose, that you can get in trying to get a formal response together and uh, and then the work that that takes to analyze that is actually of course written responses are always helpful but there's other ways that we can um work with people and, and to talk to them and uh, so yeah i would certainly want to to reassure really that this isn't about us just going off to a little room somewhere and just starting to make stuff up far from it it's actually about how we fling open those doors and uh, and just just increase transparency, increase engagement. Absolutely. So yes, definitely more more opportunities to get involved. Let us know what you think and have conversations with us about the future. Mm. Um, so thanks both for joining us um, today and, and sharing your thoughts on, on this current consultation. And thanks to everyone for listening. Um, if you want to uh, share your views on our proposals, you can do through the link in the episode description and you can find out more on our website. Look out for more episodes of CQC Connect coming soon. Mm-hmm.